We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. What's up, Jack? So this is what losing feels like, Nick. Yes, this is a feeling that we haven't been used to over the last 15 games, but obviously going to this one, a lot of injuries, guys sitting out, Joe Harris, Damari Carroll, Levert still out, Kraps still out, Rondé House Jefferson. The Nets took the L tonight, 116-95 to a good Boston team. Yeah, only 10 healthy players. Nick, all of them did suit up, including Theo Pinson and Kenneth Farid. Um, a 21-point loss. Weren't able to score above 30 in the quarter at all, in any of the quarters at all. Um, there were moments. Rodion's was really nice. Uh, Kenneth Farid had some moments, putting up a nice double-double. But uh, overall, it was a scheduled loss, as we predicted. And uh, it ended up being that way. Yeah, especially when you don't get a ton of production out of D'Angelo Russell. Spencer Dinwiddie was okay. You know, D'Lo, probably one of his worst games over the last couple of months. Five points, six turnovers, just really was taken out of the game by Boston's defense. And Spencer, on the other hand, still, you know, had 15 points, but four or 10 from the field, one to six from three. He really did his work at the free throw line. When none of your good players really play well, you're not going to have a good uh, good chance to win against a team like the Celtics. Not at all. And and I think D'Angelo, I mean, we've, we've sung his praises of late, but he needs to be better. Um, I think in this sort of game is where you sort of make a statement, and this is where the sort of, players against the best teams really make a name for themselves. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to be too critical of him because it was a back-to-back. But then again, we see the superstars on game-by-game game game basis, the James Hardens of the world. I'm not saying D'Angelo is going to be that, but if he wants to bridge that gap and you know earn that big payday or start getting the, the real uh, plaudits that he does deserve, he's going to need to put up some better, some better games than this. I mean, the turnovers were an issue for the entire team, but yeah, D'Angelo didn't really have the best of nights, one of his worst games in the season. Yeah, and the four turnovers, I think, right in the first quarter kind of set the tone for the team. And as a leader of the team offensively, you know, you need to be better. Like you said, Jack, you know, this is something you brought up in the past. His floor needs to be higher. You know, if you're going to have a bad game, it's going to happen. 
but you probably still need to put up eight to 10 points. You need to probably put up seven assists and keep the turnovers to like two or three. Yeah. Like just do what Spencer did, what he does, get to the line a few times, you know, score. I, I think anytime he, he scores less than 10 points and has a heap of turnovers, you know, he has all the ability in the world, yet he still can't make an impact at times, you know, against probably one of the best teams in the NBA, uh, at least in the East. Um, it, it's mildly frustrating, but at the same time, he's probably going to have a bounce-back game against the Atlanta Hawks, which will probably uh, erase those sort of uh, negativity that I've sort of been uh, harping on a little bit in this episode. But uh, it, it was a disappointing showing, but not just by Dealer, but um, he certainly did set the tone uh, negatively-wise. Yeah, Shabazz as well wasn't great. A lot of turnover, sloppy passing the stars. You know, they hit some threes, and it kind of almost gave them some irrational confidence where they kind of felt like oh we're we don't have to play amazing to stay in this game and then boston in that second half of the first quarter just really dominated them you know like you said rodeon so really bright spot today 24 points 8 to 15 from the field 5 8 for 3 you know he looked confident out there attacking guys and just doing his thing yeah he's second 20 point game of the season all other second round pinks in this draft have combined for one you know d'anthony melton has been the only one that has registered one himself so um, a, an absolute steal. Uh, Rodion's doing his thing. It was nice to see that three ball sort of dropping. Um, we've sort of talked about of late him sort of just finding his footing in terms of, you know, especially in, in that Grizzlies game. He's, he, he looked a little bit um, unsure of himself of, of sorts, obviously getting the blocks on him. But um, it looked really, really confident, looked really comfortable. And he was making plays. He just did his thing. It just uh, it wasn't enough to inspire his teammates. That was all. Yeah, and it was a good showing. At least he kind of kept the effort in. You know, other than that, you know, it wasn't necessarily a good game from anybody else. You know, Kenneth Reed had some good moments out there, another double-double, 13 points, 12 rebounds. But obviously, playing two bigs just doesn't really work in Kenny's system. No, the the spacing left a lot to be desired, especially the fact that Jared Allen hasn't developed that three-point shot yet. Ed Davis isn't going to shoot threes. He's barely going to put the ball on the floor. And Kenneth Reed hit a three, which was kind of cool. Um, yeah, so he looked okay out there he showed some spryness and bounciness but uh he was also you know negative 14 but uh, at the same time all of the nurse players weren't able to um register a positive plus minus so uh in a game like this he had the his most it was probably uh him and theo pince were like tied for like the second best player for me for the nets i mean spencer had some moments too but um rodion's was clearly the next best player yeah everyone else really struggled today and it just wasn't, you know, it wasn't a great game. Second out of a back-to-back, obviously, you know, we weren't expecting a ton, like we mentioned, with the guys being injured. And turnovers were definitely a huge issue for this team. You know, going, I think, in the first quarter, they had 10 or 12 turnovers. You know, 23 for the game, 13 for Boston. You're not going to win games, especially when you're shooting 40% from the field and 26% from three and not playing great defense. Yeah, and the other team scores 30 points off your turnovers at the same time. Exactly. Um, that's a lot. I think the turnovers... <laughs> Yeah, do you think the turnovers was sloppy play or was lack of cohesion and chemistry, you know, a lot of different lineups that probably haven't played a single minute together this season? Uh, I think there was elements of both, not to take the the cop-out answer, but, you know, obviously there wasn't that cohesion in terms of the chemistry uh, with the guys in, in the certain lineups. But at the same time, there was just some really bad plays on the offensive end, just some yeah. passes and some tip-outs and just lazy plays or, or tired plays, however you want to call them. But... Um, these guys get paid the big bucks, so we are going to criticize them when they're not doing the right things and they're not showing NBA standard level of talent. You know, Boston Celtics were were ready and they, they were ready to pounce and, and they pounced on our mistakes. Yeah, exactly. You know what it was? It was like you said, Jack, it was a combination of both. You know, some of the past, even on like the alley-oops and stuff, it was a little 
bit off. That's just not a ton of chemistry. But some of the passes were just sloppy, lazy, just things that aren't going to cut it in an NBA game if you want to be a good team. No, not at all. And then you look, sorry, Jack, to cut you off, but you look at the assist numbers, 37 assists for the Celtics on 47 made shots, and then you look at the Nets, 19 assists on 32 made shots. It's a big difference. Yeah, the the Celtics were able to get what they wanted on the offensive end. It was, you know, a masterclass of sorts from 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 them. Um, it was it was always going to happen. You know, they outscored us fifty six to thirty eight in points in the paint, twenty four fast break points to eight. You know, other than the free throws where the Nets um, were able to get to the line twenty two times to twelve, um, there weren't many sort of key indicators where the Nets were able to uh, be even or, or or do better than Boston. Yeah, I would say the Nets could probably take a, a lot of lessons away from Boston's defense. They do a great job rotating and helping each other defensively and just really make you work for open buckets inside the paint. So a lot of credit goes to them. Obviously, they were healthy, but not really a ton to say about this game. You know, the Nets just weren't great. We kind of expected it going in without the body. So not really many thoughts from me on this. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I want to touch a little bit on Theo Pinson. Um, I thought that when he was out there, he just looked comfortable he looks like an nba player he looks when he's running the he's attacking you know the mismatches he's dribbling the ball up the court running the offense um if we're ever to have injuries to guys like shabazz napier or even including some sort of a trade package i, I would be more than comfortable with theo pinson sort of being out there uh, running the show a little bit haven't really seen the three ball much of late obviously he hasn't really got a heap of minutes only 16 tonight uh, as well but I just like what he does on the court. He just looks like an NBA player um, for the Nets to sort of find a, another small diamond in the rough, not the biggest of ones. Um, it's a credit to them and their G League system. Yeah, no, 100%. You know, he just he looked good out there. You know, he didn't look uncomfortable. He looked like he was filling in the role. I like his skill set. Like you said, the three-point shot, something we want to see. I think another year or two with the Nets development team, he can definitely provide more minutes for the Nets moving forward. And I believe in college that he was quite a good three-point shooter, if I'm not mistaken, as well. So I think it just comes down to opportunities within the offense as well. Um, but, yeah, I really like what Theo brings. And, you know, the trade deadline marathon's obviously gone gangbusters on OTG. So I might have to think of something with Shabazz if, if Theo keeps playing the way that he's playing. Yeah, no, it's a real possibility for, you know, Shabazz to get moved. We've talked about it, especially with Karis LeVert coming back. So that'd be something to keep an eye on. I actually think three-point shooting-wise, he's a late bloomer. I don't think he shot a ton yeah. in college, and he's kind of developing now. So I would ha- I kind of have faith that he can improve that because we've seen the Nets do great work with a lot of guys. So I am just, like, really uh, interested to see what they can do with him. I don't want to compare him to anybody else on the team, but in some regard, it kind of reminds you of like a Spencer Dooney situation where there wasn't necessarily a ton of hype around him, but some team, uh, some work with the development team, the coaching staff could really lead to him being a solid NBA player. I don't know if he'll ever get to Spencer's level, but I know a lot of guys around the Nets beat and Nets daily in general are pretty high on him. Yeah, and we saw Damari Carroll give credit to, was it Jordan Ott? What, is that yeah, yep, is? yep, yep. Um, so uh, another assistant coach that sort of had the impact on him. So I think it's underrated, uh, the assistant coaches within the NBA and the impact that they can have. I know that um, a lot of people on Lakers Twitter are sort of remarking at the fact that they wish that they their assistant coaches were a little more involved with their sort of team's offensive and defensive schemes and impacting the players. But the net seems like a like obviously it, it, we've we've spoken at, at length in terms of from top down, but the assistant coaches don't really get enough credit from us on the podcast and and in general because they make a real impact in terms of players individually and then also the impact that they're having on Coach Kenny because it seems like a a very harmonious sort of circumstances within that coaching staff. 
Yeah. I, and honestly, I almost goes without saying, like when I refer to Kenny, I almost am referring to the whole coaching staff because it's not one guy. There's a lot of guys who put in a ton of work. They don't necessarily get the respect they deserve working with the players. We're doing that extra work, you know, offensively, defensively, really helping that team take the next level. But Jack, any other topics non-game related you want to cover? I mean, I'll, I'll put it out on the Nets Republic, Nick, about people just sending us random topics today. They sent us topics about Coach Kenny and all this sort of stuff. So, I mean, I'm I'm kind of tired tonight, man. Uh, the the jet lag's still sort of lingering a little bit, but um, I'm looking forward to heading to the Hawks game in a couple of days. Yes, exactly. Jack and I will be at the Hawks game on Wednesday. Be sure to hit us up, slide in those DMs. We'll be around probably before the game, be around halftime and a little bit after the game. So we'd love to meet some of you guys or girls. Be sure to look for us or send us a DM and we can hopefully meet up. Yeah, you might see our pretty faces on Periscope too. Exactly. Yeah, be sure to check out the Periscope. And as always, check out the buzz, iTunes, Block Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, Dash Radio, and YouTube. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.